Let me pray, and then we'll uh, look into God's Word this morning. So, uh, so God, we, we welcome you here this morning. We welcome your Holy Spirit, and we also acknowledge, uh, we acknowledge the reality that apart from your Holy Spirit, um, the words in the Bible are just words in a book. But if the Holy Spirit um, engages with us, then we start to see and hear your voice speaking behind the words. So, God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see from Scripture? We ask this on your name. Amen. Is there a funny ringing on the sound that I'm hearing? Like I'm in a barrel or something like that? I might ha- I've had like a cold, so I thought it was me. But anyway, maybe... Maybe the smart people back there can figure it out. So, um, anyway, hey, uh, I'm going to start with this this passage right here. Go to the first, the next slide. It says, uh, "I saw this. I was reading uh, reading the Bible this week, and I can't remember how I came across this, but Proverbs 28. Um, one of the statements is, the godly are as bold as lions.'" And I'm doing a series on boldness right now, so we'll talk about that in a second. But I, when I saw this, and, and the word godly is also, some tra- translations translated as righteous. But the sense is, that I got from this, is that boldness in the name of Jesus, our boldness is not an option. Because it's not like, okay, some people are bold, some people are not, some are you know, evangelists, some are not, some are... Th- no, this, this gives the sense that if you're a righteous person, in other words, if, you're, if you love God and you have the spirit of Jesus in you and you're, and you're seeking to be the kind of person that God blesses, then boldness is like a given. It's not something we can say, well, that's just not me. I'm, that's not my personality. I'm not bold. And again, I'm not saying boldness is going to be loudness or whatever else, but it just made me realize that boldness... Listen, according to scripture, is not like something some people have. It's all of us can be bold within our personalities. But when I saw this, it made me think, okay, this is for all of us. Um, and the, bold, the, the righteous and the godly are as bold as lions. So that's how God made us. All right, so I've been doing a series called uh, Be Bold About Jesus. And the reason I say it that way is because the boldness I'm talking about is always connected to Jesus in Scripture. I'm not talking about boldness politically, boldness socially, boldness, um, you know, for your own point of view. Sorry about that. Um, But boldness in Scripture, and that's what we've been looking at, is when people are bold, what does that look like? What does it feel like for them? And what keeps us from being bold about Jesus? So uh, we looked in the last week about, uh, two weeks ago, we looked in uh, Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John had healed somebody, they were thrown in prison, they were threatened, don't ever talk about that name again. Remember I said they weren't, the leaders weren't mad at them for healing somebody, they were mad they healed them in the name of Jesus. Don't ever do that again in that name. And what they do, they went back to the other Christians and they all decided to turn down the volume for a while and kind of lay low. No, they didn't. They prayed and said, God, give your servants great boldness so we can keep proclaiming the name of Jesus. And then last week we talked, we saw that Paul, who was Saul, who persecuted the church, encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus 
And then he starts to proclaim boldly, Acts 9 tells us, that Jesus is the Messiah. And what we also saw with boldness is there was a lot of opposition because people all of a sudden decided now they want to murder Saul. I mean, we think boldness might give us a social awkward response from somebody, but because he was being bold in the name of Jesus, it says that more than one group of people want to try to kill him. So boldness is kind of a unique thing. So a lot of the stuff we'll be looking at is in the book of Acts. We'll also look later in the book of Hebrews where we're told we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And what does that mean? You know, bold being kind of the opposite of timid. But boldness, I'll give you a simple definition. It's simply being free and fearless and courageous and confident, in this case, about Jesus. Not apologetic, not timid, not... uh, not necessarily even soft-spoken about it. Again, I'm saying we can all be both in our personalities. I mean, I'm a, I'm a loud male, so that's my personality. But we can all be bold in our own personalities. You don't have to be like, you know, screaming and shouting. But the boldness I'm talking about in Scripture always comes from people talking about Jesus. And what we see is in the, in the book of Acts early on, the boldness was astonishing to people. Because they said Peter and John were ordinary people and they healed this man and they were, people were astonished by their boldness. We saw with Paul that his boldness brought on persecution. And we're going to look at today is how boldness can often bring about division, divides people. Because our boldness about Jesus, again, always about Jesus, um, is a socially uncomfortable thing for a lot of people in our culture today. Like I said before, people are okay if we talk about God, religion, or even Christianity, but you interject Jesus in a conversation in a way that's meaningful and purposeful, and, and, and so people get awkward. It's odd. Um, so, again, I, I said before, I, I'm not saying just throw Jesus in the middle of a conversation like I'm at McDonald's. I'm, it's like a Big Mac and a Coke, and I love Jesus. I'm not saying that, but there's times in conversations where people ask you questions, and like at Pentecost, Peter saw an opportunity, and there's opportunities where naturally you can say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, that's why I do that. And it doesn't have to be weird or awkward. It may make others feel awkward, but that's... So today we're going to look at uh, the boldness of Paul and Barnabas in, uh, in Acts chapter 13 and 14. So I, what I've done is I've just kind of scanned through the book of Acts, and I find wherever the word boldness shows up, when people are acting boldly or speaking boldly and trying to figure out what's, what's going on there and how, how do I be bold? Because, again, I think God created us all to be bold, which basically means open, honest, courageous, confident, and fearless. Um, not loud, not jerky. but so, so let me give you a little text here. Let me give you a map here. Go to the next slide. So this next slide is a map, and I don't always put maps up, but it's helpful. This is, this is from Paul's, what's called Paul's first missionary journey. So Paul takes off from, this is uh, modern-day Syria, Israel's down here, up here is kind of modern-day Turkey. Um, but his, for, for the, Paul and Barnabas says, Scripture tells us that, Paul, that the leaders were fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit told them, set apart Saul and Barnabas and send them out on a mission. 
So they eventually first sail to Cyprus to go to the island of Cyprus to talk about Jesus, not to talk about a religion, not to sell church membership, but to talk about Jesus to people. And then they end up sailing up into what again is modern day Turkey. And this particular story takes place in two cities. One is Antioch, which is way up at the top. And this other one is Iconium. Those two are about 90 miles apart. So Antioch and Iconium are same distances maybe here in, I don't know, Carmel, Indiana, or some, you know, 90, I think it's 90 miles, 50, it was 50. Anyway, it's about an hour, it's about an hour drive, but of course they didn't have cars. But anyway, I just want to give you the context. Part of the reason I put maps up there is I want us to realize these are real stories. They're historically accurate stories. This is not just mythical stories, all right? So if you have... You have one of these on your chair, and we're, we're going to follow along from this. But let me give you some context. So they go to, in Acts chapter 13, they start off in uh, Antioch. There's two different Antiochs. There's an Antioch in Syria, but this is an Antioch in uh, this area, which again, modern-day Turkey. And it says Paul and Barnabas, their habit was they'd always go to the synagogue on Sunday, which is where, or Saturday, I guess, this Jewish Sabbath, where the Jews would gather. So even though this is not Israel. There were Jews that had been dispersed. They were living there. They were what the Bible calls God-fearing Gentiles that also would attend the, the synagogue services. And it said they, they always have a reading from the law of Moses. They did all kinds of readings. And then it said there was a point where the leaders of the synagogue, they knew Paul and Barnabas uh, were new, and they probably knew something about them. And they said, hey, do you have anything to say? So Paul gets up, and he kind of does a little bit of a sermon. But again, the, his talk is always about Jesus, specifically about the resurrected Jesus. This is what happened. He kind of retraces the Old Testament story, gets to Jesus, gets to his crucifixion. But God raised him, all right? So the Jesus we're talking about is not just Jesus who did good things and said nice things. We're talking about, the Bible talks about the resurrected Jesus. It's a different Jesus um, I mean, you, you hear a lot of, I was just reading something this week about some politicians that were using statements of Jesus kind of in ways out of context, but people love to use Jesus, but when we talk about the resurrected Jesus, that's the Jesus we're talking about. This is the Jesus of the Bible, the resurrected Jesus. So they talk, and they, they said they were well-received, um, the Jews who were there and the God-fearing Gentiles received well this message about Jesus, and they were kind of like, can you talk some more? So Acts chapter 13, the start of the, the, the sheet you have here, is the next week. So they asked us to come back, so just follow along with me as I read. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowd, so, so they were actually preaching to some of the Jews and some of the God-fearing Gentiles, but others... And when, you say, when, I see, when you see some of the Jews, I always tend to think of it this way. Just think of people that you, religious people. And I mean religious like they're religious, but they don't have the spirit in them, all right? So they were, they were Jewish people, but they were the religious people. Today we have religious people who don't have the spirit of Jesus in them, all right? But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. They slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. So right away, 
the soundtrack of the passage gets a little bit bum, 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 bum. That's like Jaws. It shouldn't be Jaws. But anyway, it's, the soundtrack gets a little bit tense. So the soundtrack is not Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The soundtrack is like, it's like Braveheart. Something's going on here. They're jealous. They slandered, argue against whatever he said. But read the part in yellow with me, all right? Out loud. Here we go. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, all right? So they spoke out boldly. I'm assuming it was probably loud just because it was a lot of people, but it wasn't like a forced loudness, but they spoke clearly, boldly, courageously confident. And they're doing this in the context of somebody, them already knowing uh, they were being slandered and argued against. So they knew there was tension. And again, if, if we're honest or if I'm honest, sometimes when we feel that tension about Jesus, not about your politics, not about your social choices, but about Jesus, it's really tempting to turn the volume down and just talk about religion instead of saying, no, I'm going to talk about Jesus. So speaking boldly in this case, they don't, they don't back down from Jesus. They're not, they're not fighting a religious battle against the fair. They're just not going to back down about Jesus. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected, rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we'll offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. So we've had people that are jealous, slandering, arguing, rejected, and judged. So we have that side, and there's tension there. But then, verse 48, when the, Gentiles, when the Gentiles heard it, they were very glad, and they thanked the Lord. So you have some, kind of with the bold message that Paul speaks, but sometimes with the boldness you might speak, you're going to have some that will have a <clears throat> kind of reaction to it. But then it, we also see that some had this, they were very glad, and they thanked the Lord because they now knew they could have a relationship with God in a way they never thought they could have. Especially, they were not only Gentiles, I mean, they were, they were Gentiles and they hadn't heard about Jesus, and now they're like, oh, this, it's like something kind of lights up in their hearts. Very glad and thank the Lord for the message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers, and the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Then the Jews, now, so we've, we've had the negative, the jealousy, slander, arguing, had the positive of very glad, thankful the Lord's message spread. Now we go back to some of the opposition. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. Because they talked about Jesus. Not that they were making a political they were talking about Jesus and that, that so enraged people that they stirred them up, a crowd, and ran them out of town. And just again, it's not because Paul and Barnabas were being jerks. It's not because they, were making, they weren't inciting some kind of political riot. They were simply talking about the resurrected Jesus in a way that pierced the hearts of people, but it also caused others to move away because they didn't, they didn't want to hear about that. It was offense to their pride. So, they only, so then they, Paul and Barnabas, this is his first... 51, shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and then went to the town of Iconium, which is the one 
you know, down uh, an hour or so away or probably a few days, uh, days walk or so. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So I kind of, when I read scripture, I don't always mark in it. I marked on this, but so you see all this negative, the jealousy, slander, arguing, rejection, uh, stirring up people, inciting a mob. Then you have people are very glad they thank the Lord. The Lord's message spread and people are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. It's all in reaction to the bold message, right? Now let's go to Acts 14. Same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. And when you see such power there, again, I, I don't know. I'm, they had to talk loud. There was no amplification. But they weren't ranting. They, the power they were speaking was, was a boldness, and probably the clarity of what they were saying. And just the people they were saying it to probably thought, this makes sense to us. We've never heard this before. So the power they were speaking with wasn't like forceful rhetorical power. It was what they were saying was powerful. Great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Here we get this back to the division part. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message, poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. Again, it, it was that offensive to them to hear people talk about a resurrected Jesus. They, didn't want, they weren't going to leave him alone. They were, they were going to incite and stir up mobs and poison the minds, speak badly about them, write them off because they were followers of Jesus. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message, poisoned the minds of Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles, stayed, the apostles stayed there a long time. Read the yellow with me. Preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. They didn't back down. Clear, confident, free, fearless. They spoke about Jesus and about the grace of God to bring forgiveness to people. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided. I have that word highlighted there just in all caps. Because that's kind of the clarity of what when somebody's when you're bold about when people are when we're bold about Jesus, people are divided in response. It's just that's the way it's always been. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. Then it gets even more tense. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. Hack and stone them because they're talking about resurrected Jesus? What's with that? There's power there. There's something there that's offensive to people because it exposes our pride, it exposes us. So they want to stone, attack them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Laconia and the towns of Leicester and Derby and the surrounding area, and there they preached the good news. So go to the one that I have the split screen on. Okay, so here's, here's the competing reactions, all right? Because they spoke about the, boldly about the resurrected Jesus, some responded with jealousy, slander, arguments, rejecting, inciting mobs, ran them out of town, poisoned the minds of others, attacked, and wanted to stone them. 
All right, that's the response of some. Others, very glad. They were thankful for the word of the Lord. They were filled with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. And this last one, the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Me, humanly speaking, I just want the right side and I want to forget about the left side. Can't we just have this? I mean, if we're, can't we be accepted by our culture? Can't we kind of, can't we be liked by everybody and have thankful, glad people filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit and power? Can't we have that and maybe people that don't agree with us, but do they have to disagree with this kind of intensity? That's, that's me. I, I'd like to kind of, I don't want people... I was, talking to a, I was talking to a therapist one time years ago about some issue I was trying to figure out. And I told him, I said, well, I just, I don't like it when people don't like me. And he's like, well, why? And I was like, what do you mean, why? I don't like it when people don't like me. That's why. I don't like it. I mean, if you like it when people don't like you, then raise your hand and we'll, we'll honor you and worship you because you're not human, right? We don't, we, none of us like to not be liked. None of us like somebody to think we're weird, even a small W in 10-point font. None of us want to be Jesus freaks. We want to be liked. We want people to always look up to us. We want the right side without the left. I do. I want people to come to know Jesus. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the joy of the Holy Spirit. I want joy. I want all of that, but I don't want the other And I think the stories of Scripture tell us that's not possible. Because if we want to see, if you want to see friends, neighbors, co-workers, or I often think about just the city of Bloomington and what, what revival would look like, and I don't mean that in a a cheesy way, but if revival, if the Spirit of God really worked in all the Christ-centered churches in town, and exploded the Holy Spirit and people who didn't, people that you know and I know who have nothing to do with God all of a sudden start seeing Jesus in ways they haven't seen it before. If that's going to happen, when that happens, if that happens, how that happens, whether it's citywide or just in your family, friends, and neighbors, and somebody wants to see Jesus, if that's going to happen, the left side will always be there. And nothing we do can change that. And if we do try to tone, if we try to speak the message of Jesus in a way that tones down the left side, we won't get the right side. We might get pleasantries and happiness about God and spiritual things, but we won't get filled with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit, and power to do miraculous signs and wonders. And so I often ask myself, am I willing to deal with the left in order to see what God can do with the right. And in the quiet of my heart sometimes, I'm like, I don't know. That, that stuff sounds kind of severe. I mean, it's not just people not liking me. It's people talking bad about me behind my back. It's people who even want to hurt me. All right? I, I, I think none of us totally can understand that. We can't understand that. The thinking of Paul and Barnabas. I think we all want to understand that, but we want to understand it without having to experience it, but we can't. 
And Paul and Barnabas had such power in their message because they were fear, free and fearless, courageous and confident about the resurrected Jesus being the centerpiece of all of human healing and hope. There is, not a, there is no other. There is no other centerpiece of hope and healing. It's not going to be when religions can all get along because it would never happen. Scripture tells us there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And we don't need to apologize about that. We don't need to, to bark about it in a way that in your face, but I, you don't need to apologize about the fact that there is no other name under heaven. don't need to apologize about the statement of Jesus when he said, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But you know and I know to say that, and even in a casual conversation, if it were to come up, um, it feels awkward. I was asked one time to pray for some, some gathering on campus. I can't remember it was like a, uh, it was a university-driven event. And they asked me to pray, and the person said, yeah, but if you pray, we don't want you to pray in Jesus' name. And I was like, well, I, that's the only way I pray. So if you, that's what you want, I can't do that. And I didn't say it in a way where I was being a jerk. I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't pray in any way of Jesus because I'm all about Jesus. They said, so that's okay, we'll find somebody else. And that, but that's, and that wasn't like, they weren't trying to incite me, but I, you, know, you kind of feel like, oh, kind of wish I could have had a voice there for Jesus, but I was like, I'm not, not, not with those restrictions. And uh, so, <clears throat> go to the next slide here. Some of you may have heard the statement, fortune favors the bold. I think Matt Damon does it on like a Capital One commercial, doesn't he? Or somebody says it. Huh? It's a crypto, it's a crypto commercial. But I, I was reading about this, and fortune favors the bold. It's like a Latin phrase that goes way back. Some, some, some say fortune favors the brave, whatever. But fortune favors the bold. It's like the motto of like all these European families and European military institutions. It's the motto of certain classes from the Coast Guard Academy and Marine. So this idea of fortune favors the bold. Fortune, and you'll see why, I'll tell you why I crossed out fortune. I think you know why. Favors those who are willing to take risks. Not, not, not people who are timid, not who are calculating, not who want to turn the volume down. And I just put in there, God favors the bold, because fortune is like, that's a non, it's a non-personal entity, it's just luck, right? But I do think, if you read the book of Acts, when you read about Paul and Barnabas, earlier with Peter and John, God favors the bold. As soon as I was thinking about this, I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, but all these guys were killed. <laughs> so if God favors the bold, why did Paul die in Rome? If God favors the bold, why was Peter crucified upside down? But God favors the bold. And, and the idea of persecution, even in the socially awkward ways we would experience in Bloomington, Indiana today. We're going to kill for it. Not today. But if we're, if we're fearful of any degree of persecution, let alone death, but especially the persecution of social rejection, which for some of us is almost worse than death, right? If we, if we retreat from the name of Jesus because of that, I do think Scripture would be clear about us. We, we, lose, we lose some favor from God. We, 
We want the favor of God on us. We want, like we said in the song that John had to sing, the, the blessing that's from the Old Testament. It's the blessing that God told Aaron, Moses' brother, to bless the people with. May the Lord have his face shine upon you. May he turn toward you. I mean, that's, that's life beyond life right there. That is alive, awake, and free if the face of God is turned toward you and you have an intimate con- in relationship with God. That's what all of us want. Bless you and keep you, his face shine upon you. May he turn toward you. You live with the face of God on you, towards you, around you. And like we sang too, he's, he goes before you, behind you, he's beside you. He's all, you live life that way, and I've, you will have the kind of joy that Jesus talks about. An irreplaceable, unworldly, not taken away by anybody kind of joy. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to be who we really are, which is bold. That's how God made us. Clear about Jesus. And again, I, I don't think we manufacture opportunities. Well, I, I know we don't manufacture. We shouldn't manufacture opportunities. It's not like, okay, everybody has a homework assignment. Be bold sometime this week. And then, then we all we feel is this kind of guilt, and i got to figure out some way to put Jesus into a sentence with somebody so I can tell him. No, but look for and maybe pray for opportunities where in a course of a natural interaction or natural day, you have the chance to be bold about Jesus or not. And again, I'm not saying shout it out loud, but somebody may be asking you about your family or your, how you guys deal with, how you guys, how's your marriage stay together? How do you guys do that? We have a hard, maybe the best response is, well, we, we're both followers of Jesus and we, we let him direct our lives. As opposed to, we're religious people. That almost feels bland. It does, it does feel bland. Or, well, we're Christians, we go to church. I think that means hardly anything to anybody today. But if you say to people, we follow Jesus. Um, I told you before, I'm going to end with this, but I, it, was, it, was, it was a profound thing for me. I, had a, I think I told you this even a few weeks ago, but I had a student... I teach some classes at IU and had a student hang after class one day and ask me, he said, are you a, a, you're a pastor, right? And I said, because I tell him at the first day of class. And he told me he was really anxious about that when class started. I said, why? He said, well, I thought you're going to be flipping up John 3:16 on the screen between PowerPoint slides about Piaget and Bogotsky or whatever. I was like, why would I, why would I do that? And he goes, well, that's just what I know Christians to do. And he said, well, and I said, why well, don't I even call myself a Christian? I kind of threw him off. And he said, what do you call yourself? I said, I am an avid friend and follower of Jesus um, because there's nobody like him. And he's like, oh. But I'm not not saying you have to find some creative answer, but but just maybe steer away from being a religious person or a church-going person or a Christian person or a believer in God. And maybe when it comes right in a conversation, in the scope of your personality, but it's going to push you beyond comfort if you have to speak boldly. Just talk about Jesus. And if people get awkward about it, that's, that, that's what's going to happen with some. Others might be, like we see in, the, in this passage, some were thankful, some were grateful that somebody finally talked to them about the word of the Lord and about Jesus. You don't know how people are going to respond. Paul and Barnabas didn't know, and then they actually didn't know they're going to get opposition. They expected it. So, um, God favors the bold. I'm, I'm, I pray for.
everybody here at least once a week that God would give us opportunities to be bold about Jesus and talk about Jesus in a way that's natural and the opportunity that God puts before us. So let me, let me pray. So Jesus, we, I mean, Jesus' boldness comes from you. Um, nobody, nobody spoke with more clarity and freedom and confidence and fearlessness than you did. And we have your spirit inside of us. And it's your spirit inside of us, working within the context of our personalities and how you made us, that is eager for us to become free and fearless in our boldness about you, Jesus. And so we, we, we want to see our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. We want to see them. We want to see them see you, Jesus, in a way that they've never seen you before. We want them to see you as the source of all hope and of all healing in their lives. We want them to see you as a source of joy and peace that comes from a supernatural world that only you can give them. That's what we want to see. And we don't want to, we don't want to have to we don't want to recreate some other pathway for this to happen because we've already been given that in the New Testament stories, especially in the book of Acts. So God, when you give us opportunity, we want to speak about Jesus. And we also, we want to see people come to you who don't know you. We want to see people that are, uh, we want to see people who are filled with joy. We want to see people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, we would be eager to see miraculous signs and wonders because of what you want to show people about Jesus. So Jesus, we love you. Uh, walk, walk inside of each one of us this week and um, show us your favor. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.